Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Nice to hear a little call and response. <laughs> we need more of that in the Lutheran church. I love it. In the words of an anonymous Christian mystic of the Middle Ages, grace to you and peace from the one whose grace made you and redeemed you and gave you this purpose which is to live for others as God in Christ has lived for you. Amen. Yesterday, the 30th anniversary of the Berlin Wall coming down, a sign of newfound freedom for those in East Germany and a reversal of division between East and West. Tomorrow, the 101st commemoration going back to the end of World War I of what we now call, since 1956, Veterans Day, a day where we remember those who have served and in some cases died for our freedoms. And today, today, the birthday of someone near and dear to the congregation. A person we have sometimes taken for granted in the church. Someone who has touched the lives of every single person in this room simply by virtue of the fact that you are here. I'll say a little more about that person in a minute, but before I get to him, I want to talk about another person whose words we also often take for granted. 
And that man, not surprisingly, is Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I don't actually think we're entirely to blame for this. I mean, after all, if we are regular churchgoers, and if there is not a football game on, then we hear his words every Sunday. We pray the prayer he taught us every service. We hear the words he said to his followers in their last meal together every time we celebrate communion. So it's no surprise when we hear today, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God, that we might yawn, especially if it's the early service. We've gotten used to these words. They go right past us when we hear them. Their meaning, their original impact, often lost. That is why this morning I'd like to focus on the words of Jesus in Luke 6, our gospel reading for today. And really, I want to focus on just two of these words. Words that blow open the meaning of this text. Two words. Blessed and woe. Blessed. Makarios in Greek. Blessed has become a very churchy word with little meaning for most people, writes Professor Mark Skinner of Luther Seminary. Happy is another common translation of Makarios, but that word has become too small, he says, in our contemporary usage. Skinner, accordingly, poses a different translation of Makarios. Think of it, he says, as unburdened or satisfied instead. So, verse 20. Then Jesus looked to his disciples and said, Unburdened are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Satisfied are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Unburdened are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Such a provocative and appealing thing to hear, isn't it? Lean into the future, Jesus seems to be saying. Lean into God's future reign, and you will begin to experience it in the here and now. Wow! Can you imagine that? I mean, really, to be unburdened just for a moment, a minute, an hour, a day, to be spared the grasping for things that let us down and never make us whole, to be satisfied. A word spoken here to the poor, a promise, but also one to the rich. Come to me, Jesus says elsewhere, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I want that. 
So many people want that. Don't you want that too? Our second word is woe. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. But you rich people are in trouble, reads another translation. You have already had an easy life. It's attention getting, isn't it? You rich people, you are in trouble. You have already had an easy life. It shakes us up. We may belong, after all, to the 99%. We are not the richest of the rich, but most of us here have it pretty good. Yet in this context, as Skinner points out, ouai, the Greek word we translate as woe, has totally lost its meaning for us. I mean, think of the last time you've used woe non-sarcastically in a conversation. You don't say woe to your kids or grandkids, woe unto you. That meaning is lost, confused. It does not mean, for example, the opposite of blessed or cursed or unhappy or even damned. That is because in Greek, it's an interjection. I almost sang that, it's schoolhouse rock, but I won't. An interjection, like, hey, or yikes. That's truly an attention getter, not a pronouncement. Jesus, therefore, promises relief to some, to those who live hard lives, but to others who are lulled into the comforts of life or to hoarding, he cries, interjection, Look out! Verse 24. Look out, you who are rich. Look out. Okay, that's attention getting. But why should we look out? We who enjoy the comforts of life. Is it because in the future God will reverse things by punishing the haves and rewarding the have-nots, that the poor will have their revenge, if not on earth, in heaven. That's a tempting and very conventional reading. But what if the woe statements signal a reality that already exists? What if, as Jesus says in the opening lines of Mark's gospel, that the kingdom of God is at hand? What if... As Jesus says later in Luke's gospel, the kingdom of God is already among us. It means, therefore, that Jesus is urging his hearers to reassess their lives in the present, in the here and now. Again, look at verse 24. Look out, you who are rich, for you are missing the point of life. Do you hear now what he is saying? Jesus is calling us, me and you, to a new type of existence where instead of hoarding and building walls around what we have, we are unburdened through a life of generosity. 
In the process, the poor, the downtrodden, the disenfranchised are raised up. To make it a present reality, we have to enact this rather than merely expect it. And we do so when we share our time, our talents, and our treasures, much of which you are already doing. Leaning, therefore, into the kingdom, we find in the process that we are freed from the comforts and constant grasping that can otherwise burden our lives. Skinner writes, Jesus' woe statements are revealing something. That things we assume are advantages are actually illusory. What if food, money, comfort, self-one security, respectability, and the like are things that kill our souls? Not just in some far-off afterlife, but right here, right now. Look out! You who are rich, I love it, for you are missing the point of life. The point of life. You recall I mentioned someone's birthday today? Someone who's touched the life of every person in this room simply by virtue of the fact that you are here. Can you guess who this someone is? I'll give you a hint. He was born on November 10th, 1483. Martin Luther. Martin Luther. For Luther, the point of life from a Christian perspective is simple. A man, he writes, or person, does not live for himself alone in this mortal body. Rather, out of the abundance of all the good things he has in Christ, he lives only for others and not for himself. Only for others and not for himself. The point of life. To be freed. To be unburdened from having to earn God's love, saved by God's grace, Luther's way, we might say, of leaning into the kingdom, of leaning into God's reign. Generous, unburdened, satisfied, blessed to be a blessing for others. Life's point, the kingdom of God. I want this life. Don't you? Amen.